I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. I have a very exciting guest today, and we're going to be talking all about reading for kids and how to get them to be excited about uh, reading books. And uh, there's an author that we're about to dive into, and he's got a cool twist on Greek mythology with his new book, Zeus the Mighty. And uh, before I bring him on, let's give him a quick intro. Crispin Boyer has written more than 20 books for National Geographic Kids covering topics that young readers find fascinating, from bugs to boogers, ninjas to knights, sharks to cyborgs. Zeus the Mighty is Boyer's debut middle grade fiction series and combines his abilities to entertain with lively characters and to educate with historical facts. He lives in Hawaii with his family. Please welcome Crispin Boyer to podcast. Hi, Crispin. Hi there. Thanks for having me on, Heather. I'm very excited to have you on. Um, I love debuting books, especially for my listeners and then especially for kids as well. And uh, before we dive in, uh, I want to ask you an icebreaker question. Uh Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) And that is, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, uh, not to sound boring, but it's chocolate chip. (laughs) And... uh, and you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to call an oddball on that. I'm going to go with no bake cookies, which I'm not even sure if that's a thing. It's something that my mom used to make. And it was kind of like these fudge kind of cookies that she didn't need to bake. And actually, I, uh, my favorite memory, I guess, is, a uh, I cannot find, like, I used to love eating as a kid and I've been trying to find the recipes online. And it seemed like it was something maybe my mom uh, it was like her own secret because I just can't find it anywhere. So if anyone knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> Snow Bake Cookie, I don't really have a whole lot of uh, other details about it other than it was really good and it was it was kind of crunchy and uh, kind of fudgy. Uh, How so fun. That's my, that's my answer. No, that's a good, that's a good answer. There's, a, there's such things out there like no bake cheesecakes. So yeah. no, no bake cookies, I'm sure is a thing. The, the quest continues then. It's like a loose elusive no-bake cookie recipe, but yes, maybe, maybe someone can help me. It's like finding the Holy Grail or something. All right, listeners, if you know anything about no-bake cookies, and I do, we do have a lot of health and wellness um, people that listen to the show, and so I may, they might have a recipe to share. So if you have one and you're listening, let us know. I will be eternally grateful. <laughs> so you live in Hawaii. Um, how Are you from Hawaii? No, no, I'm actually from... Florida, and then, you know, Pennsylvania is where I was born, grew up in Florida, lived in, went to school in North Carolina, lived in Chicago for a while, then moved to the West Coast, California, lived there for a long time. And uh, as, because I'm a writer, a freelance writer, I can generally, my overhead's really low. I just need a laptop and internet access. And hey, my wife and I don't have kids, so we were, we could kind of like move to some places that maybe aren't the most kid friendly. So we lived in Mexico uh, on the Caribbean for about five years. Uh, we really like just kind of living in peaceful rural areas. And then 
We left Mexico, went back to California for a while, found a place in Hawaii, a farm, and now we're here. We got here right as the pandemic started. And this is, we've just been, kind of been sheltering with our animals and talking to our animals. And, <laughs> uh, for, and you know, for me, as a writer, I really just, I can, I've written books in the passenger seat of a car, like on, on road trips. So I, I don't need a lot of a structure other than time and, and concentration and, and an internet connection. So it's one of the few benefits, I guess, of this career. <laughs> right, right. So then um, you said you didn't have any kids. So what got you into writing children's books? Uh, I just think it's my, the, my writing voice just appeals to younger readers. Um, I worked in video game magazines for a long time, and I also do writing for video games. Uh, I just think it's my niche. Um, I just, and the thing is about writing for kids is it's not like I write down to them or anything. If anything, it's, you know, I have people come up all the time and say, I'm going to write a kid's book. And I'm like, okay, go, go for it. I mean, I'm not going to discourage them, but it is not as easy as you think. It's, it's actually, you know, kids are pretty sophisticated, especially, you know, when it comes to picking apart stories and, and uh, they'll, they will call you on any little plot hole or, <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and, you know, and that's you want the the writing to be really lively and entertaining. So um, that's just kind of my my uh, I've just that that's my thing. I guess I like I like that kind of a writing. I like to come up with um, fun stories and, and and fun ways of presenting information. You know, a lot of the books that I write for National Geographic kids are nonfiction. So they'll be like you were saying, you know, knights and ninjas and, and boogers. I have a book called That's Gross that's yeah. pretty popular. It's, it's uh, pretty much what you think. And, you know, it talks about how, what bugs taste like and where snot comes from. And uh, I mean, it, I don't, I don't want to gross out your uh, listeners. Yeah. It's, it lives up to the title. You can judge that book by its cover. And so are you, is this from your experience? Do you write from your experience when it comes to what bugs taste like? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I, because it is National Geographic, there's a lot of resources there, a lot of researchers, and um, and you know, it's you can pretty much find anything on the internet. It, researching anything is a lot easier these days. Everything's vetted uh, by my editors, but um, yeah, it's you know, it's pretty easy to find out what uh, grasshoppers taste like. Uh, they yeah, taste like, <laughs> they say like it tastes like chicken. <laughs> Maybe I gotta have to go back and read the book. I know one of the bugs tasted like uh, Jolly Ranchers. Oh. And it, it, it must have been some kind of bug that eats fruit um, to, to produce that. But uh, I think grasshoppers tasted like uh, shrimp, which kind of makes sense. They're basically land shrimp or sea bugs. So it doesn't, doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> you know, that's interesting. I should probably grab that book uh, for my oldest. He is into bugs and um, dinosaurs and things. He's a really big uh, bookworm. And that oh, sounds awesome. like a book that he would love, actually. Yeah, he uh, sounds, yeah, he might be right up his alley and then he can, he can let you know if it's any good, if you learned anything. Yeah, I don't want him going to find bugs though and eating them, so. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit more about your newest book, um, Zeus the Mighty. Uh, it has Greek mythology and it's about, with, with animals. Can you dive in a little bit more about uh, what inspired you to write this book? And uh, Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's National Geographic Kids, and they're not really known for their fiction series. They're known for, you know, uh, nonfiction about ancient Egypt and dinosaurs and all these, like, you know, uh, anthropological essays. And, and so they, 
even with their kids' books, they were always very fact-based, but they wanted to start a fiction series. And so my editor had the idea of um, a, a hamster who believed he was Zeus and lived in a pet rescue center in Athens, Georgia. And that was kind of the, the like, you know, you're pitching the movie to, to a Hollywood producer. Here's the idea. <laughs> Let's make it. Right. And so she, and I've been, I was one of, I was writing books for them for years and, and uh, she, she liked my writing style and asked if I would be up for tackling a fiction series. And this was, this is my first fiction series too. And she, that was the idea. She said, here you go, you go ahead and run with it, you know, bring these characters to life. I, so I sat down and I've always been interested in, in, in ancient Greece and all really all history and research the the different gods the the, the so-called Olympian gods there's a dozen of them and they're you know there's Zeus and Athena and Ares and Poseidon these are all you know pretty popular gods from pop culture but these stories are you know thousands of years old so uh there's a, a lot uh there's a reason they they've endured for so long they're kind of the their stories and these myths are, are the basis of a lot of uh uh, modern tales. So I, I, uh, that was, those are my marching orders and, and I'm up to book four now. And so, yeah, the series is about these animals in a pet rescue center who they don't pretend they're Greek gods. They actually literally believe they are Greek gods and they go out on adventures every night and each book recreates a myth from Greek mythology. So I've already covered the, uh, there's the Jason and the Argonauts, basically the golden fleece and the, the battle against the Minotaur was book two. Book three was about Hercules and the trials of Hercules and now at book four which just came out is about the underworld and Hades who rules over the underworld. Right and so how many books will be in this series? Well that's a good question right now uh, I know at least five because I just turned it in because <laughs> we work about a year ahead of the release schedule. Okay. So, yeah, there's uh, at least five books so and, and actually this book that, that just came out ends on a cliffhanger it's picked up in the next book. Um, oh, fine. So, yeah. <laughs> so for about, it says middle grade. So about, you know, sixth, eighth grade are probably the target uh, for books like this. Uh, yeah. How do you have any tips on how parents could get their kids into reading um, novel books like this? Um, any like tips for reluctant readers? Sure. I, you know, Nowadays, kids have so much like competing for their attention. They, they've got video games and, and watch movies on their phone and listen to podcasts. And honestly, I would say, you know, don't discourage that because sometimes they might listen to a podcast that, you know, a kid-friendly podcast that then turns them on to some topic or, uh, you know, some, that they want to read more about. And the thing, when I was a kid, my mom just had, she had just had a lot of books and she, and, you know, of course they read to me when I was young, but she encouraged me when I was older. She said, well, why don't you, you know, if you're bored, pick up a book and read it, just read the first chapter. And if it doesn't hook you at the first chapter, then it's not a good book and put it back. And, you know, she, she had a book by Stephen King and, and Arthur C. Clarke, you know, science fiction books and uh, pretty much every genre. And I, so I did it. I, I think my first book was some scary Stephen King book and I, I picked it up read the first chapter and I'm like all right I'm in I'm, I'm in <laughs> <laughs> and and you know for kids have such vivid imaginations that really you know when I describe books to kids especially fiction books it's, it's like it's a movie in your mind and that you're you don't need to rely on you know what the the special effects or anything you can 
make these characters look however you want to look and they the the scenes are only limited by your imagination and that for me when i was a kid that's what i loved about books they were like basically a movie in my mind i was like i can't believe how cool this is this is like this book's so cool and now i could picture all this stuff happening and the next thing you know i'd be finished with the book um a lot of things uh, you know when you're picking books for your kids too and you don't really have to be you know most most authors who write for kids know that every chapter needs to be fairly short fairly punchy because you want it's almost like uh, you, you compel a, a kid's imagination to want to keep reading and keep reading and if there's a chapter that's only three or four pages long and and the the, the boy or girl finishes reading that chapter they're like ah oh, just one more chapter and then by the before they know it they finish reading the book um, but even even my series has uh, it's got a podcast that ins was inspired by the series that is very popular called Reeking Out and it tells tells all kinds of different freakness too. So you know maybe if they're not into the book maybe they like the podcast or maybe they'll listen to the podcast and they'll be like okay now I want to read these books. So this is I guess it's you can't really compete with all the things um, fighting for your kids' attention. So you might as well give in and, and let them see where it takes them <laughs> to a to right. a safe extent. Pick your battles and see what really works because every kid is different. Some can sit down and read a book. Some might need an audio book, and yes, and hear audiobook. it. That's a good, a really good point. Audio books. I, I mean, audio books are amazing. You can, yeah. Now, do, can you get these books in an audio format? Yeah, yeah, they're in audio format too. And the 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 author, the uh, the the guy who records it, um, the narrator is really good. He does like voices for the different characters, and, uh, which is interesting for me as a writer because I. I you know, I write these and then I, I have an idea of what they sound like in my head, but now they, to me, they sound like the audiobook narrator. Oh, right, <laughs> right, because they, they kind of do it for themselves and then you're just like, oh, you know. Exactly. And it's like a reimagining of it almost. Mm -hmm. Is it yeah. ever like when you watch your favorite book on a movie and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> well, I guess that guy's Tom Hanks now. Right, right. <laughs> that, that character will always be Tom Hanks. Not a bad thing. Yeah, no, it's always up to interpretation, which is what is beautiful about books and movies and um, all those types of mediums, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so is the podcast the only way that you incorporate multimedia content? No, there's also, if you go to ZeusTheMighty.com, there's, uh, there's a game there that, uh, that's a fun little game to play. And then there's links to, you can learn more about the characters and the stories, or you can link and go to learn more about Greek mythology. And it's a National Geographic Kids site. So you know, that's another good place to go just because that I found myself getting lost on that site because you'll start clicking on it. There's lots of topics across the that are that are on like each page. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'll go in there to, to read about Greek mythology. And next thing I know, I'm finding out, you know, how how old I would be if I lived on Jupiter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. And sucked in the all these different facts or whether dinosaurs had feathers, you know, like, oh, okay. Well, Which I apparently guess. they did. If you ask yes. my son, like apparently <laughs> raptors had feathers. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I think your son is onto something. Man. Yeah, I know. We have like a bunch that. of chickens and I swear those are dinosaurs. So. Right. <laughs> they make those odd sounds. Do you, um, speaking of great, great mythology, do you have a favorite Greek God? Uh, yeah, I'd say my, Favorite is Athena, who's she's the goddess of wisdom, and she is the most, I guess, level-headed of the the Olympian gods. Greek mythology itself is pretty uh, dark. <laughs> the, yes, it, it's almost it's like a, it's like Game of Thrones or something. Not at all 
kids safe, uh, what goes on in, in those myths. <clears throat> but um, she, Athena, she, she at least, uh, she seemed like to have some kind of moral structure. <laughs> right. Um, Hermes is another, another good God. It's funny, Hermes is, you know, he, that's the God that's got the wings on his, his, his sandals. And, uh, right. It's, he's, he's the God of luck and, and sleep. And he's kind of like the Swiss army knife of the gods. Uh, in my series, I've turned Hermes. Hermes is actually a hen, a rescue hen. And uh, she's based on one of our chickens. So I guess that's why I oh, have yeah? a special uh, affinity for her. Yeah. <laughs> Personal that's, connection. So all, of, so all of your characters are animals and they're in a rescue center. So are all the books still taking place in this rescue center just with a different uh, character? Yeah. And that's part of the challenge. When I wrote the first book, I, it was my first fiction series and, you know, there's, so there's 12 Olympian gods and I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get all these characters in here. And, and it ended up being like way too many characters that I, my, the, the woman who edits my books, who's a very accomplished children's book editor, she said, this is way too complicated. We, we need to tone, we need to dial this back, save some of these characters for later books. So, you know, that book went through a lot of revision and turned out way better for, for her help. And so my idea was, okay, well, I'll introduce a new character in each book. And even that got difficult because it really is right now. There's, there's basically five main characters and it's like an ensemble. It's like, you know, the show friends or something. <laughs> you have too many right. friends. You don't know who's who and how they act. And, um, and so, yeah, so gradually I've, the only new character I've introduced uh, to the Olympians is Hermes. Now there are different villains uh, in each book. So in this one, it's Hades who's, the lord of the uh underworld so these are the also these animals they they live in this pet center but to them when they look out over you know the aquariums or the shelves and the displays they see ancient greece so they see the ocean they see mountains they see magical relics and the other trick with that is you know in every book i need to take them to new areas of you know ancient greece new realms so that's eventually i had to expand the pet center so they go into the backyard and, and then you know in this installment for the underworld they go to the crawl space underneath the pet center so uh, it but you know it's presented in a way that's kind of creepy to the animals and, and a little you know a little, a little scary maybe for the readers but nothing too intense because i know young readers also like to have suspense and, and be on the edge of their seats right right you don't want to make it too scary but you want it to make sense <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> so, so where could um, our listeners find a copy of this book and your other uh, books in the series? Because it sounds really fun. Um, I know that my uh, second grader would probably really like this book. He he loves animal books and things with, you know, like I said, I'm probably going to pick up that bug book as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. It's uh, so ZeusTheMighty.com is pretty much the uh, one-stop shop. That's where you can you find links to the podcast. You can find where to buy the book. You can read about the characters. Uh, there's even some, I think some, yeah, there's some samples. You can download and read like the first chapter. Like I said, if the first chapter doesn't hook you, then uh, maybe maybe they'll, they'll know that the book isn't for them. Or, you know, you can just look me up on Amazon. Uh, it's Crispin Boyer. And um, there's, uh, that's where you can find all my other National Geographic Kids books. The aforementioned, that's gross. And <laughs> uh, I have a, I have a lot of books. I have books on there for really young readers. They're, they're even like the first, you know, that you read to your kids that are just basically just kind of illustrated storybooks about animals and things. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And we'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes. And I really appreciate you sharing a little bit about your, your books and your, uh, 
your life. And I, I'm excited to pick up the books and you'll hear from me and I'll give you some reviews on how bugs taste, I'm sure. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, hopefully our listeners will go pick up um, a copy of one of your books. And thank you so much, Crispin, for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much, Heather. I had a great time. Have a great, have a great day. Yes. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Chaos Cookies podcast. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies. <laughs>